1: A bit about me if you don't know, I'm a chartered accountant, uh, mainly work with property investors I've done since 2003 and the last five or six years we kind of focused mainly on working with property investors. So about 85-90% of our clients are either out-and-out property investors or they do something else and have property. Uh, I'm a property investor myself and I'll talk about one of the deals, I've written a book and a few books and I've uh, got five different businesses, so that's just a bit about me. However, so this is called the New England Club. It's a property that I purchased back in 2018 uh, for £500,000. And then the, so this is the kind of uh, a drawing of the entire property. There's a light on here, but here we've, we've got a club. And over here, they had like a, a function room and a car park. So when we bought it for £500,000. Then we have to go through planning because we didn't have any... Uh, permitted development or prior approval rights for this particular uh, class use. That cost us 65,000 pounds. To refurbish it, 400,000 pounds. And then we borrowed some of the funds uh, to refurbish. So so this whole thing cost me just over a million pounds to convert into 12 flats, six one-bedroom flats, six two-bedroom flats. And it also had a two-bedroom bungalow on it, on the side. The GDV, if we were to sell it, which we haven't done by the way, but if we would sell it, uh, came at 1.3 million pounds. So we're making a decent profit of 302,000 pounds, which ain't that bad. Is anybody doing commercial conversion in the room by any chance? Okay. So Oliver, about 30% of <coughs> the cost, yeah. roughly, isn't it? Is that about right? I mean, a lot good
0: badgers work on 20, so that's, that's Yeah, good.
1: some people do 15, but yeah. So Mark
0: is is 30,
1: isn't he? So. Yeah, well, aim for 13, then you might get to 20, yeah, Yeah. because you never get to what you want to get to, by the way, with any commercial conversion. So if you're looking to do commercial conversions, uh, there's two things which are guaranteed. One is you're not going to finish on time. It's always going to take longer. And the second one is it's definitely going to cost you more, no matter if you have a fixed price. I'm telling you, they always come in there. Um, I'm not sure if your experience is similar, Oliver. Uh, and things, yes, yeah, and yes, yeah. Always costs more or always takes longer. Anyhow, so we're making 302 grand, which is not a bad profit, uh, according to Oliver, based on what other people are doing. So if you're buying a commercial property, do you pay VAT on it? You sound like a good accountant, by the way. <laughs> Does anybody wanna have a guess? Oh, okay, who thinks you pay VAT on a commercial property? Raise your hands. Okay, one, two, three, and who, well, four or five, and who thinks we don't pay VAT on a commercial property? Okay, and who's still thinking about the question? <laughs> okay. So, it depends. What does it depend on, Oliver, without picking on you too much, by the way, because I'm not try to get other people to participate, but because you've answered the question, what does it depend on? I'm
0: not entirely sure. Um, so, it, the, it's a category that the property falls into, but that's a kind of a vague answer. But. And,
1: and on okay, does anybody else have, want to have a go why we may have to pay VAT on a commercial property? They, Peter isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, isn't them. it the question that was asked earlier which is if you're over 85,000 income then you're going to have to pay on it
1: anyway? Good answer but it's not the right answer.
0: If the vendor is uh,
1: elected to the VAT, registered for VAT. Okay, see Oliver, this is a young lady sounds like an accountant as well. Uh, are you an accountant by any chance? No, I'm a agent. Okay, Yep. so basically what happens is, somebody buys a commercial property, for example, let's say 15 years ago, uh, and then, then they want to refurbish it, and it costs them, let's say, 100,000 pounds to refurbish plus VAT, and the person who owns the property says, I'd like to claim the VAT back, so they go to HMRC and say, can I have the 20,000 pounds VAT back? And HMRC say, of course you can, but there's two things you have to do. One, is obviously you enter the, an option to tax, which means for the next 20 years, you're going to charge VAT on the rent. So whoever your tenant is, they have to pay you VAT. The second thing is, if you sell the property, you must charge VAT on the disposal. Yep, so they enter, enter into an option, and then, then they charge VAT. So some commercial property, if you're buying commercial property, may have VAT on it, some may not. And it's got nothing to do with uh the amount of rent you collect uh generally speaking Peter but obviously if you elect to tax or opt to tax then you have to charge VAT. Now if you're buying a, a commercial property let's say for 500,000 pounds and you're paying VAT on it do you pay the stamp duty land tax on the 500 grand or the 600 grand because the, the extra 100 grand uh, uh, VAT is tax anyway isn't it? Does anybody want to hazard a guess?
0: 500.
1: 500 grand? Some 600. Six, 600. Why is it 600 Richard? Well, because
0: that's the transaction <coughs> price.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: That needs to be stamped. Yeah. That's a guess, but.
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't stamp any, stamp anymore. We used to stamp. <laughs> they changed that in 2003, <laughs> because that was. I'm
0: out. older than I look.
1: Yeah. Sure, you're paying tax in
0: tax.
1: That's right, that's right. So if you're buying a property with VAT on it, you're gonna pay stamp duty land tax on the VAT element too. So that's, that's the scenario we had here. Now there's two obvious ways not to pay VAT. The first one is to do a transfer of going concern. So in this particular case, we spoke to the vendor and if this was an ex-working men's club uh, and they had uh, snooker tables in there, pool tables, uh, all kinds of slot machines and everything else and they wanted to store all, all that, that equipment there while they pay out all of the membership and then sell those items. So we agreed for them to stay in the property for three months and they can obviously pay us rent. And by doing so, we bought the property as a going concern. So if you have a, a, a property where you have a tenant and you buy that property, you can do something called a transfer of going concern if you meet the rules. That means you don't pay the VAT. So the first benefit for you is you don't have to find the VAT because otherwise you need to go to a bank or a third party lender like Richard and, or a broker and then they'll find you a lender and then you have to pay an accountant uh, to try and get the VAT back for you. That's not always straightforward. And the second benefit for you is you don't pay the SDLT on the VAT. That's number one. Your second option is, what you can do is uh, uh, complete a VAT 1614D and ask the vendor to accept that that means you're going to convert a commercial property into a residential property, so the kind of stuff Oliver and I do. If they accept it, then you don't pay VAT. If you do the, if you, if you do the first one, the transfer going concern, you have to elect or opt to tax, and going forward, you charge VAT to your tenant, both on the rent and the disposal. Everybody okay with that? Okay, so because we kept the tenant in there for three months, we did a transfer going concern, so we, we saved the SDLT on the 100,000 pounds at 5%, so that's £5,000. The second thing we did was a capital allowances claim. So if you're buying a commercial property, you may be able to claim capital allowances. Do we have any lawyers in the house by any chance? No? Okay. Uh, And you may sometimes assume that your solicitor will ask the question about capital allowances uh, when they're doing the commercial property standard inquiries. But lawyers don't advise you on tax. So it's your job to make sure, when you, when you agree to buy a property, that when your solicitor uh, carries out the standard inquiries, there's a particular question which asks about capital allowances. Tell them not to put zero, nil, n-a, but at that time, to have a conversation with the vendor's solicitor to make sure that you can make a claim for capital allowances. If you don't, you're gonna miss out on a big chunk. So in this particular case, here's the, an actual list of all the capital allowances and the items we claimed and that came up to just over 126,000 pounds. So we bought the property for 500 grand and 126,000 pounds of that 500 grand uh, qualified for capital allowances based on all, all this equipment here. And I'll come back to this in a second in terms of how this helps in us in terms of tax. We then found some asbestos in, in the property uh, and to have that cleared, uh, we had to pay a, a, a a chunk of money, and, and if you have that, or Japanese not weed or other forms of contamination, you can claim land remediation relief, and you get 50% more tax relief. So if you spend 10 grand on clearing it, you get an extra five grand in terms of tax relief. So that, that was 14 to 50. What we then did was, because we were going through the planning uh, process, and that took, I think probably about 15 months. During that stage, you have to pay business rates. So what we did was, we were approached by a charity, who wanted use of a building, and they were mainly working with homeless people, but as you, you'll know from experience probably, most smaller charities are, have tight cash flow. So they said, can we use your building until you start developing it for free uh, and we'll take over the business rates? So we did, and again, you may know from experience that if you run a charity, uh, you get an 80% rebate on business rates and then if you can apply for the extra 20% as well by making a special case, which they did. So we weren't paying the business rates, they weren't paying the business rates, but they were able to run their charity. So that saved us just over 10,000 pounds. Later on down the road, uh, we were able to incorporate our property portfolio and that saved us uh, 150 grand in tax. And I'll quickly cover, th- in fact, we have a question on incorporation here. That was your question, Peter, wasn't it? So if you remind me about the 150 grand, Peter, I'll, I'll share at that time how we got to that. But that saved us uh, just under, under 30 grand. Capital allowances So the actual physical tax saving on the 126,000 pounds worth of capital allowances comes just under 24,000 pounds. So That's how much tax we're going to save in future years of, uh, by writing down those capital allowances. The SDLT and the interest in the fees, seven and a half grand. Uh, the seven and a half grand rent paid to us by the tenant because they wanted to, to store their equipment and we paid 5% VAT on the refurb. So if you're buying a commercial property and converting it to residential, you pay 5% VAT and not 20%. So whether you increase the number of units or reduce the number of units, you pay 5%. So think HMOs possibly. And then if you buy a residential property, which you've been empty for two years or longer, you pay 5% VAT on the refurb work if that needs any work done to it. So just bear that in mind. And if a builder wants to charge you 20%, Make sure you, you tell them it's 5%. And if you write to your local authority or the council, they can confirm they have an empty homes officer. You write to them, they'll confirm to you how long a property's been empty, yeah? That gets you around having the evidence. Oliver? Is that on the and on
0: additional development, like your bungalow,
1: or not? You can do the whole thing, yeah. So that here <coughs> gives us extra cash flow of 112,000 uh, pounds, which, Most people might pick up one or two of those things, uh, but not every single item because people aren't aware. So I just wanted to kind of show you a real life case study, one that I've actually done uh, to show you the savings, but it gets better. So that's a a 37% uplift on the profit. Now, initially we bought the property as a partnership, and then, like I said, we incorporated later on and had that uh, saving of 19% 19% on the, on the 150 grand. So if we kept the, the property in our personal names and wanted to sell all the units uh, after paying 40% tax or some of us are uh, additional tax payers so we pay 45% tax but let's keep it at 40% uh, we would uh, on, the, on the 302 grand we pay 40% we're left with 181,000 pounds. If we incorporate and move it into a limited company we'd only pay 57,000 tax a limited company so you can see this the saving there between the 245 and the 181 is 63 grand so 63,000 pounds plus the 112 grand from the previous slide gives us an, uh, an extra 175,000 pound cash flow over a number of years can you see how significant that is so 302 grand kind of becomes best part of 480 grand just by doing things in a slightly different way and With most property projects, you'll find one or two things you can do which can save you a whole chunk of change, especially with commercial property and capital allowances or when you're doing commercial conversions uh, with, with VAT.
0: Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple.